0: What up, Justin? Another episode of the Total BS Podcast about to come your way.
1: Man, we're back at it once again. I'm very disappointed in last week's NFL picks, but hopefully I can redeem myself, get some better picks. Because, Saul, we got one hell of a game on our hands this week. Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. This is the game of the year. It's just so unfortunate that it has to happen so early.
0: It's week three. I think it's the second and it's it, it is it's the second year in a row that it's week three, too. Which is like, come on, NFL, we could do better than this, can't we? Yes, yes. For real. All right, total well, BS podcast coming your way. Your fans just might turn into off fans. Be cool it's just part of the program. Spit your best sixteen of you must. you're not whack. You just sound whack
1: rapping after us. Yo, your fans just might turn into off Be cool it's just a part of this program
0: all right so like we mentioned a big game coming up on monday night and we decide we're just going to jump straight off the bat and talk about the kansas city chiefs versus the baltimore ravens we got two special guests joining us uh one of them is from raven's wire and he also is the host of Locked on Ravens, the podcast. It is Mr. Kevin Ostreicher. Kevin, I hope I said that name right. Did I get it right? Tell me yes or no. Absolutely. First try. I'm very oh, impressed. i happy I'm to be about. here, guys. Oh, that's man. That was, that was
2: great. That was great. Uh,
0: there we go. And
1: also, obviously, obviously, Saul was not a substitute teacher at some point in his life because he would have no, told totally no, butcher no, that I, last name. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't say Balake or A.A. Ron or anything <laughs> like that. For sure. So uh, and then also joining us uh, to represent the Kansas City side. Uh, is, a, is a gentleman that I am fond of. I follow him on Twitter because uh, I get all my Kansas State sports knowledge from him. Uh, he is the sports director at K-Man. It is one, the one and only John Kurtz. How you doing, John?
3: Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. So let's just jump into it. Uh, obviously, the Ravens and Chiefs have matched up the last two years. And, uh, you know, Kevin, I'll start with you. Last year, around this time, is in my opinion, when the Lamar Jackson train really started to take off and people started to take notice because of his performance against the Chiefs that uh, last year. What are your overall thoughts in terms of this matchup this year and how Lamar has maybe
2: changed his game to a, a degree? Yeah, I think Lamar's improved throughout you know, his entire career. People don't really realize that with Lamar, he came into an offense that was built for Joe Flacco. And if you want to pit opposites against each other, I think Joe Flacco is one of the most opposite quarterbacks to Lamar Jackson you can probably find. And so what they did in the offseason of 2019, before that 2019 season started, they revamped their offense. They brought in guys to... Help Lamar Jackson be Lamar Jackson. You say, oh, he's a system quarterback. He's this or that. Well, you should be building a system around your quarterback that fits his strengths. That's any team. That's what any team should do. In that game against the Chiefs in 2019, Baltimore was down by a lot, a lot of points in the fourth quarter. They came back and actually almost won it. But what Baltimore, what differs from 2019 to 2020, in my opinion, is... Is, uh, is honestly the defense. The defense threw out guys in 2019 that included Tim Williams, who's no longer with the team. Maurice Kennedy, they revamped their defense because, well, look, we all know what happened against the Tennessee Titans for Baltimore. I don't really want to talk about it, but that's beside <laughs> the point. What ends up happening is Baltimore revamps their defensive line and actually their front seven. They have Calais Campbell now who can get pressure on the quarterback as well. He's one of the best run stuffers in the entire league. Derek Wolf is somebody who will sacrifice himself in a play, take on two blockers and free someone else up. He's actually a master at it. What Baltimore did is kind of equip themselves to beat the run game, but also within that, they were not a good team at rushing the passer last season. They could not generate pressure with four players. They could barely even generate it with five. So with Mahomes, if you put pressure on him, you know, you have a pretty good shot to beat him if you can cover long enough because he scrambles out of that pocket and he is a master at throwing that football to guys like Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman. So, I'm a little more confident in Baltimore's defense this year, but you can't understate the offense. Marshall Gowan does a big loss. The offensive line still kind of gelling. I expect Baltimore to throw the football a bit more than they did in week three last year, but the run game's still going to be their bread and butter.
1: But then on the other side, you, obviously you brought up Patrick Mahomes, but I got to ask you um, man, that game last week against the Los Angeles Chargers, I was very disappointed in the way that Kansas City Chiefs uh, looked. And I think heading into this week, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens, a little sneak preview to our NFL picks. Uh, but what do you think the Chiefs have to do to go toe-to-toe with these Ravens and make sure that Patrick Mahomes and that offense stays rolling?
0: John, why don't you take that one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think
3: um, really the the thing to me is that Patrick Mahomes is is the guy, right? I mean, I'm I'm so intrigued to watch this matchup between these two, but I think, Mahomes is the guy that just gives me confidence in any situation I can just tell you as a as a Chiefs fan watching any game at this point I mean my group techs just go nuts anytime they get down it's been what like five six games in a row I think now I think it's five in a row that they have come down from or come back from a deficit my group text blows up with everybody freaking out I'm like guys like man chill they got this I mean when when you have 15 um, that to me is really the difference there he just finds a way every single time I mean I like the point there about the pressure. If you can get pressure on Mahomes, you certainly have a chance. The Chargers have done that, you know, better than anybody really in the NFL since Mahomes has been there. But he just finds a way. He'll make a couple of Hall of Fame plays and bam, you have a win. And, and you saw it on Sunday in that game against the Chargers where all of a sudden um, he throws up that pass to Tyree Kill. And then almost equally as impressive, the two-point conversion to McCall Hardman. And it's like that that's all you really need um Harrison Bucker obviously helps and that's uh, another storyline. like in this game is Harrison Bucker against Justin Tucker I mean two of the best to ever do it right there at that position as well so I mean that that's really all it is to me I mean I think the Chiefs defense is is decent I think they're a middle of the pack too potentially you know in their better days they can be an upper level uh NFL defense but it, it just all comes down to to what Mahomes has and he's proven it in the, the toughest of situations oh, but what's been under- what's been
1: going on with that defense though because Nothing has really changed on that side of the ball for the Chiefs. And you saw the playoffs last year. They were able to make stops and they look like a Super Bowl defense. What's different this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think uh it's last year a lot of things really came together. I think they've had um I think last year it was like Frank Clark started to put things together about halfway through the season and he became really great. I think Tyron Matthew um has been really good. I, I think Maybe some of it you just chalk up to, hey, starting the pandemic and and trying to get everything figured out again. I think a lot of things really just gelled together, and it's trying to bring it all together once again this year. I mean, I still it's still early, too. I really believe in Spaggs and what he was able to do um, last year and bringing that whole defense together. I'm not really too terribly worried about it at this point because at the end of the day, yeah, Justin Herbert and the, the Chargers did move the ball a little bit, but – um they they still found a way to keep that game pretty close when the offense was really sputtering for a long time, so i'm I'm not honestly too worried about Kansas City's defense at this point.
0: Kevin, you kind of alluded it alluded to it earlier, uh talking about the differences between last year and this year and mainly the fact that you think that Baltimore is going to throw the ball a little bit more than they did last year and And to go to your point, you know last year, uh, on the ground, they had well over two hundred yards rushing um you know this year you know, are they going to have the same output on on the, you know, when it comes to the rush or are you you're expecting what 300 yards or, or what make a prediction on that.
2: I mean, I love 300 yards, but I, I don't, I don't think that necessarily <laughs> that's going to be what happens against that. This, this chief's defense where yes, I mean, I'd agree. I think they're a middle of the pack defense right now, but overall, I think Lamar Jackson, um, you know, he's somebody who, yes, can can provide an output with his legs. But the Ravens, where they got better also, I think, an underrated part of this is, is they have four running backs that are quality NFL running backs. You have Mark Ingram, obviously. You have Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, who were with the team last year. But they also brought in J.K. Dobbins in the second round for the sole reason that they had him as the top-rated running back on their board. They didn't need a running back. They didn't have to, you know, pick that pick. They could have easily gone with a wide receiver like Denzel Mims, who was there. But they decided to bring in Dobbins, and he has provided a lot to this Baltimore team in the first two weeks, and obviously the Chiefs have a pretty good rookie running back on their side as well. But for Baltimore, if I had to make a prediction on the run game— I would say Baltimore probably will have in the in the 150 to 200 range. I know that's probably a pretty big prediction, but I think that the way that this game is going to go, you have two high-flying offenses. The Ravens are going to want to control the clock. They're going to want to run the ball and control the time of possession battle so they don't give Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense the opportunity to come back if the Chiefs get down early. You know, the best thing you can do if you're the Ravens' defense is to stop Patrick Mahomes, get the ball back to your offense and have the offense drain 10 minutes off the clock with their run game, get a field goal, you know, rinse and repeat. So Baltimore probably around, you know, 150-200 but I also expect some good passing output from Lamar Jackson as well.
0: But I mean, okay, so let's back up a little bit. You talked about you know, this, this could be a high scoring, you know, shootout, but John, I mean, the city offense is, it hasn't looked exactly on point like it did last year at point at times you know it, even in the sunday night opener they 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 controlled that game from beginning to end yes but they just were just a hair off here and there and just didn't seem like it was completely fluid uh you know what what's got to change because if you come in to, and do that against baltimore you might not have a chance in the fourth quarter to come back from behind and win that game
3: yeah the the interesting thing is it just seems like a strategy that would be logical against the chiefs and Tyree kill and the deep threats that you have is keep everything in front of you. Don't let them go deep down the field and make them nickel and dime you. And that strategy actually has worked fairly effectively. I mean, you could argue how effective it really was for Houston, Kansas city really still carved them up, but at least you're, you're keeping them from being the high flying, you know, Monday night football game against the Rams kind of output that, that they had a couple of years ago, which is obviously your better chance to win. You know, I, I'm not too concerned about it at this point just because the, the Chargers game, say what you will about you know, who the Chargers are, but they, I mean, that has been the one bugaboo. Like Mahomes and Kelsey and all those guys have always been slowed down by the Chargers. Gus Bradley really seems yes, to sir. have something figured out there. So um, I'm not concerned about it really being a trend at this point. I mean, you still saw them be able to hit a deep shot when they really needed to against Tyreek Hill to help get that win. And they have enough weapons, really, to consistently carve you up if you're just nickel and diamond your way down the field also. I I think you throw in Edwards-Alaire, and obviously you have Travis Kelsey there all the time. Like, they have enough weapons and enough ways to beat you. I think that's really the thing that gives me ultimate confidence in the Chiefs is just that they have so many different ways that they can beat you. Okay, you are going to take away Tyreek Hill. We can just go hit up Travis Kelsey 10 to 15 times and get him a bunch of touches and and work our way down the field. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Didn't look quite as good against the Chargers, but I still believe in, in obviously his talent and what he can do. So, you know, I think they've had some issues. I think the offensive line hasn't been great um, so far this year, and that is something to monitor. But in general, I think the Chiefs are all right. It's a matter of trying to get the engine back up and started and rev. You know, sometimes it doesn't fire – right away you get take some time for everything to get warmed up a little
0: bit can you tell that that my man justin is a san diego chargers fan he looks like he literally just came from the freaking pier selling drugs with that shirt <laughs> on <laughs>
1: for those that, that, that don't know
0: what i'm wearing
1: it's, it's like a this. hawaii
0: Five O remake right here in front of <laughs> us man
1: see now if and now it's a hawaii 5-0 remix, but if i lower one button oh, it, it, it it turns into narcos <laughs> <laughs> hey but no i have a question for for both of you guys uh i'll, I'll start off with kevin since i'm going to talk about the baltimore ravens because my guy big trust Woo Woo had a great uh trick play uh last week a direct snap carried it uh 30 plus yards for a touchdown and And then capped it off with a roundhouse kick uh, to the was the Houston Texans logo. logo, Yeah, Yeah. it was it was Mm -hmm. was awesome. But, you know, these teams have dynamic offenses. And I'm curious, are we going to see trick plays, very exciting plays, or is it too early in the season to
2: show what you got? For, for, for the Ravens, personally, I think that the Ravens might have been saving something for this game. We saw Baltimore not really do a ton of trick plays last year. It wasn't really in their, their bread and butter, especially as an offense, just because I think they wanted to get Lamar Jackson into the flow of an NFL season. But now that we're here, now that the Ravens have lost to the Chiefs twice over the past two years, you know what I've said is Baltimore, Ravens faithful, the Ravens organization, have circled two games on their calendar. This season it's the Kansas city chiefs in week three and the Tennessee Titans in week 11. You can say what you want about the divisional matchups, but those two games are going to have something extra special going on. Baltimore wants this game badly. And I think you can throw the chiefs defense off, but what I will say is not necessarily a trick play, but I'd expect Baltimore. We saw it last year in 2019 in week three, if they have a fourth and two, a fourth and one at any point throughout this game in any part of the field, maybe, you know, not their own 10, but other than that, Baltimore will probably go for it. I would not be shocked to see them go for it in their own territory early. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, is as, as much as the Chiefs offense might look a step slow – it's still the chief's offense. It's still Patrick Mahomes. You can't underestimate the ability that he has to put up points in the absolute hurry. So the Ravens want to get as many opportunities to put seven on the board. And if that is maybe sacrificing a three here or there, I think they'd be totally willing to do that, but you might see a reverse to Hollywood Brown. You might see a flea flicker. Maybe that trick play against Houston, was setting up where they're going to put Lamar Jackson out wide. They'll snap it to Ingram and Ingram will throw it to Jackson. So we'll see maybe if that's the case, but overall maybe a little bit less on the trick plays and a little bit more on the fourth down conversions for both teams.
3: Yeah, I really like that. And I, that's why a big part of why this game is so damn exciting, because I think both coaches will approach it that way because listen, it's Andy Reid. I mean, you see something innovative. It seems like every single week uh, out of him. I mean, Last week, just thinking back, racking my brain real quick, I mean, you had Tyree Kill in the backfield early on for for a couple of plays in the game. I mean, I'm sure Andy will have all kinds of things schemed up like that, and it just seems like you can't watch a Chiefs game without – I guess it depends on your real technical definition of a trick play. It may not be so overtly trick like the Philly special or something like that, but you'll have all kinds of different wrinkles, whether it's – direct snap to Travis Kelsey, whether it's, you know, Dontari Poe throwing a jump pass, you know I mean? Whatever it might be. Andy, Andy's got a bunch of stuff cooked up, and I'm sure this will be one of those games where uh, where you are going to see some of that.
0: All right. Well, Kevin Ostreicher, uh, we appreciate your time. John Kurtz is going to stay on with us uh, for a moment while we talk Hey state Oklahoma. But, uh, again, Locked on Ravens podcast, the whole Locked on series network is a, a pretty good follow if you get a chance to listen to their podcast series. Um, but uh, thanks again for joining us, Kevin.
2: Thanks, Kev. Thank you guys for having me. This was a fun one.
0: All right, thanks. Okay, that's Kevin Ostriker, and uh, you know, I, I, I kind of set it up a little bit ago, but I, I feel like we need a theme here, and so I'm just gonna do this real quick. Yeah, that was a little. Uh, that's a little K State fight song there. That's the Ema. There we go. That's right, baby. Every man a wildcat. That's right. Uh, Full disclosure, obviously, uh, I went to K-State for a year. Uh, That's when I, I started following John on Twitter. Uh, and uh, you know he's uh, been gracious enough to to share his K State knowledge with us and tell us why the hell Skylar Thompson is still the starting quarterback of the Kansas State <laughs> Wildcats. <laughs> oh
3: man, okay, all right. So we got we got an anti Skylar crowd here,
0: huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> just me, just me, because you know, I mean, the ten, to fit, or the fifteen yard plus, um, you know, deep ball. Just is so inconsistent, and it really came back to bite them because it wasn't able, they weren't able to open up the offense and run the ball effectively at all. So, how does that change when you're going from Arkansas State to Oklahoma?
3: Yeah, um, it, it's it's real daunting. I mean, there's I'm not gonna lie, I've, <laughs> I've been cowering in fear a little bit, uh, this week about what this game could be. But as far as the offense, we'll start with the offense first. I mean, I, I think the Skylar Thompson thing I've always said, like. He reminds me so much of like an ink blot test where you splatter some ink on a page. One person will tell you it looks like one thing. The next guy will come up and say it looks like something completely different um, because there are a lot of really split opinions on what exactly Skyler is. I think the problem is Skyler's inadequate to solid Big 12 Power 5 quarterback. He's not a great Power 5 quarterback in a league where there's always great Power 5 quarterbacks. So in the Big 12, you're always left yearning for more, wanting more out of Skylar Thompson. And it just hasn't quite been there. Now, I think he's dealt with a lot of things that have stunted his growth. He went through a mess of a quarterback carousel for a couple of years with Bill Snyder. And I didn't think they handled that very well. Um, and I think he did show some improvement last year. And even on Saturday, he was better with his pocket presence, which I think has always been his biggest problem. Um, but he still, I mean, I, I will fully admit, as someone who's been a big supporter of Skylar Thompson over the last few years, he got to hit a couple of those deep balls to to Taylor in particular where he missed – Uh, But that's kind of just where they're at right now, and the fact that Malik Knowles totally dropped one of them too leads me to think that maybe this is something you can chalk up to the pandemic where they have not had as much time. They didn't have spring ball. They didn't have as much time, seven-on-seven workouts, that kind of thing that they would typically be getting in an offseason, and so hopefully that's just some first-game jitters to work out. The other problem is I love Will Howard, who's the backup quarterback, and I think he will be good. Uh, eventually, and maybe they can even carve out a role for him right now, but just as a true freshman with no spring ball, I don't think he's ready to take over the reins yet. Bigger problem there, as you pointed out, Solis. He run.
0: did look. He did look good for three plays, though. <laughs>
3: he did. He did. He did. And I tell you what, they put. out... I was
0: like, you know, "Ooh, look at this guy! He's pretty good. Leave him in."
3: <laughs> on, on Twitter, they had a they had a video of uh, some highlights from practice this past week too. And I tell you what, he went in there and threw a rifle shot. Man, he's got an arm. Uh, they love him. I mean, they love him. I, I'm excited for him. But the pro, I just don't know that the experience is going to be there yet this year. But they, I tell you, they've got to run the ball better. They've got to run the ball better because this offense. You watch North Dakota State at all, you know they want to cram it right down your throat and they rush for ninety three yards against Arkansas State. That that's not going to get it done. They're replacing basically four or five starters on that offensive line, so they've got some problems there. And boy, we did we haven't even hit the defense, which uh, going up against Oklahoma, that's that's the real concern, I think.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that in a second.
1: So I'm not a Kansas State fan, but I'm a huge fan of their fan base. Like Saul has shown me what Kansas State fans are all about. They're passionate, they're rowdy, especially during games against the Jayhawks. Uh my favorite Kansas State fan was uh was it the yeah, the very first game against Arkansas State, and he was wearing a man, I love farming t-shirt. <laughs> and all you have to do is Google. Milf, man, baby. I love farming, Kansas State. <laughs> 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 yeah, You'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, but, you know, earlier we were talking about Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, you know, us being out here in Arizona, I've had the chance to watch Spencer Rattler up close and in person. And I see glimpses of Patrick Mahomes. And now that he's the next man up, he's looking like he's going to be that next great quarterback to play under Lincoln Riley. What do you like about his skill set and what challenges does he bring to Kansas State?
3: And it's really funny you say that because when I I watched just like a cut up like fifteen minutes of highlights of Oklahoma's game against Missouri State because hell if I was going to pay fifty five ninety nine to watch it on pay per view but um man like the, the release that he has when he throws it's so easy it just looks so damn easy when he's throwing the ball and coming out of his hand and it, it does it brought up uh, some memories of Patrick Mahomes it's like God you're looking at the next guy here and I actually Lincoln Riley had a quote this week at one of his press conferences where he said, if you could design a quarterback with the arm that you want and the release and the mechanics of it, you would design Spencer Rattler. So, I mean, absolutely loves him. You can tell Lincoln does. I think the question with him, from what I hear out of Oklahoma, is like maturity. And there's that show QB1 that's on Netflix. And I've heard some people saying, I have not watched it, but that his – yeah, basically, his maturity would come into question there. Arrogant. And arrogance. Arrogance. Yes, I was going to say maybe too cocky as well.
1: You, um, I, I'm not going to lie. There were some points when I was watching that, and I was like, I kind of want to punch Spencer Rattler in the face right now. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> So I think that's like that to me is the, the question. Like, clearly, if he has time back in the pocket, he is going to pick you apart. He's got weapons. They have skill guys everywhere. Charleston Rambo's awesome and probably the next in line you know, after CeeDee Lamb to be their stud receiver. I think the question is going to be, can K-State get pressure? And they do have Wyatt Hubert, who is arguably the best pass rusher in the Big 12, and he he caused Oklahoma a lot of problems. He rocked Jalen Hurts' world a couple of times last year. So that, to me, is going to be the issue. Can you get in his face and just force him to try and be mature uh, at his early age in his first conference game ever? Um, But if you give him time to sit back there, it'll be video game numbers, and I just hope – Last time, k State went down to Norman, they played Kyler Murray in 2018, and Kyler Murray put 702 yards of offense on him, and it was not (laughs) pretty. So that's what you don't want to happen again.
0: Oh, man. Well, I mean, let's talk about it. I know it's like like the elephant room. I mean, our guy Jonathan Adams completely went ape crap all over Kansas State in that game two weeks ago. How's this secondary going to handle these OU receivers and Spencer Rattler?
3: Oh, dollars, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's all
0: you need to say right yeah. there. We can just end this right now. <laughs>
3: exactly. That pretty much sums up how I feel about it. You know, Jonathan Adams, like I, credit to him. I think he's a great player. Like, I, I don't know. Is he an NFL receiver? I hope, I hope he is. That would make me feel a lot better about where things are going. But man, I mean, those were K-State's frontline corners and the chatter, <clears throat> excuse me, the chatter about the team had been the defense was ahead of the offense and that the secondary was going to be one of the strengths. It was last year. Um, but they threw AJ Parker at him, who's their front their, their number one guy at corner. He struggled. Uh, they threw Keandre Thomas, who's a grad transfer from Minnesota, who's supposed to be pretty good. He struggled. Justin Gardner, new Juco guy, he struggled. Then you throw on top of that injuries. They lost both of their starting safeties in the game. Uh, Jerron McPherson, who I, I would expect to play at Oklahoma. And then the other one's Wayne Jones. He had a real nasty concussion where they took him off on a stretcher. I, I don't think he's going to be back. so man, you're you're really thin. And the word that I've been hearing this week is that they're concerned about one position group to even hit the threshold of players to be able to play the game, and that's defensive back. So not a good recipe for success when you're going up against Oklahoma. I I don't know that there are great answers. Probably the most positive thing I can say is that K-State should get extra pass rush help because Khalid Duke, who is their second-best edge rusher, who I think is going to be a star, and probably the next in line after Wyatt Hubert, he didn't play week one. I believe that was a disciplinary kind of issue. So he'll be back out there. So it's going to be, man, can can you get some hits on Spencer Rattler and help out those defensive backs, I think, is what it'll take.
0: You know, you're in now year two of a Chris Kleiman era. <clears throat> Sorry, Chris Kleiman era. And, um, you know, I I know us here, you know, we, we've we seen some coaching changes that, you know, the U of A and, and ASU and both these coaching changes they're both in year three now of their systems and they're starting to try and get these recruits in that they really want. And, you know, for their system and blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, What has been your experience and your impression of, of the era so far in K state and Manhattan and how are fans feeling about it? And what do you see coming down the road? Uh, You know, and and, and your impressions as a small school coach coming from North Dakota state and coming here to a a power five school, Um, because this could be the recipe, if it pans out here in the next year or two, for other universities to go after smaller coaches that really – and if you've ever seen a video of Chris Kleiman, you know this guy has a passion to coach football. Like, he is a football coach, no doubt about it.
3: Yeah, and I I think if you are a fellow FCS coach right now, you're you're really pulling for him to have success, to lay that blueprint. No doubt about that. Um, I, I love him. I think long-term things are going to be great. I think they may take some lumps this year just because they had some tough personnel uh, losses from last year, especially in the offensive line that I don't think sync up very well with the pandemic and not having practice time to develop cohesion. And uh, they may take some lumps this year, but long-term, they're recruiting significantly better statistically significantly. If you're looking at rival stars, I-, I think a better tell with some of that is just the offers who you're competing against, who you're beating on the recruiting trail consistently and they are consistently beating far better competition than what they were under Bill Snyder. Best evidence of that is Jake Rubley, who is coming in next year. He's in the class of 2021. He had an LSU offer. He's a four-star quarterback, one of the best in the country. Uh, in case they was able to land him out of Highlands Ridge, Colorado. So that that's the crown jewel of what they've been able to do. Um, and you've seen a lot of the young talent that they've recruited in their first two years already make their way onto the field and make a big impact. I mean, Joshua Youngblood was the special teams player of the year in the Big 12 last year ran three kicksbacks for touchdowns. That's a guy that they went and pulled last minute right after uh, the coaching staff got the job there. So he's really a total, the antithesis of Bill Snyder, total opposite. Uh, players needed it. They needed a player's coach who was going to love him up. That's what he has done. They were pretty beaten down by the end of a, just an old school kind of tyrant in, in Bill Snyder by the end of it. So I think he's a modern coach. He's what you want in 2020. You know, when guys you get to treat players differently than you did back in 1989 when Bill Snyder took over. So I love what he's doing. Uh, he's been it doesn't hurt that he's great with the media, you know. Actually, gives us some access, uh, which is nice. And uh, I'm a big fan, big supporter in what he's doing. I think he's going to be in it for the long haul, and I, I think he will do a very good job. Is he going to be Bill Snyder levels of success, winning 11 games in six or seven seasons at one point? I, I don't know about that, but I, I think he will be a very good coach for a long time.
1: As a college football writer, what's your take on? Primetime time, Deion Sanders accepting the job at Jackson State. Now, he's uh, he was a high school football coach uh, down in the state, how New Yorkers pronounce it, uh, Florida, and very successful. Obviously, people know who he is. He's, he's prime time. That's going to get him some big-time recruits. But what do you think about him being the head coach of an HBCU?
3: Uh, to me, there are two – aspects of this two ways that i come about it from a neutral observer watching it i love it and i'm fascinated by it i mean i am fascinated to see how that works um in, in particular i really wish his uh, initial reported coaching staff would have been real with warren Sapp and to that would have made it even better man um but uh I, from a practical standpoint ugh, man i don't know it seems a little too circusy for me yeah, I saw the tweet that he had this morning where he's like asking people for advice on how, where to find a mansion, a mansion in Jackson, yeah. Mississippi to live. And I'm like, ah, boy, prime, you're going to really going to do this thing in Jackson, Mississippi for a long time and try and do it that way. I mean, Hey, if you're a school in that position, I understand why you want to make that move just to generate some publicity if, if nothing else and get yourself some name value and give it a shot and be creative all for that. I, I hope it succeeds because it will be incredibly entertaining. Um, but while it has plenty of style, I think it lacks some substance. And I would have long-term doubts about how it's going to work out, but I, I really hope that I'm proven wrong. All
0: right. That's John Kurtz. Before we let you go, John, I gotta ask you, who's the best rapper of all time?
3: Man, so I'm here's the problem. I'm a Kanye stan, but I, I am a I am a Kanye stan circa like it, it cuts out about 2013 after yeezus i'm pretty much out on kanye life with pablo maybe a little bit but then today it's like dude i mean i don't i can't defend anything the guy's doing anymore so it it makes it hard i tweeted this the other day i was like kanye you make it so damn hard to enjoy this just magnum opus this magnificent music catalog that you put together for 10 years it's hard to enjoy it anymore dude but college <laughs> dropout through yeezus i think is that that's goat level status right there
0: there you go. John Kurtz giving Good us man. his, uh, his insight. <laughs> I know you just made Justin very, very happy.
3: There
0: we go. <laughs> I like it, Justin. Again, you can find John on Twitter. Give him your Twitter handle, John.
3: Yeah, it's at JL Kurtz. J-L-K-U-R-T-Z.
0: All right. Yep. All K-State and uh, other fun stuff because obviously I've seen him uh, tweet about rap before, and so I wanted to throw that out there. Wait,
1: can I ask one more thing? John, yeah. do you drive a RAV4? <laughs>
3: Man, what you think I
0: rap for? John, thank you so much, my friend, for joining us, man. Uh, It's been fun, guys. That was fun. (laughs) All right. John Kurtz right there uh, from K Man in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, Again, you know, we try to find people from all over the country, and we have done a very good job of that, Justin. We have gone. Massachusetts on Sunday, Baltimore, Maryland, and Kansas City today. You know, uh, we're we're, baby, we're 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 nationwide, and we're We're spreading our wings that way. That's what I'm saying, babe. You know, so here we go. Anyway, um, college football. We talked about Deion Sanders. My take on Deion Sanders is pretty much in line with this. That I think it's great, and also, hey, shout out to the HBCUs for making some noise. You know. Uh, obviously, you know you had the kid that went down to uh, I believe Howard, um, and yeah. and enrolled there, and he was a five star athlete and beat out a bunch of other um, a, uh, beat out a bunch of other top notch programs because he wanted to play at an HBCU, and I don't think enough enough players really take the time to understand what that could really mean in the long run. However, Deion Sanders taking this job, it's great on paper. It's great on paper. You got a high-profile former athlete, former player jumping into this. How's it going to succeed? When you get to the nuts and bolts of it and the day-to-day grind, I don't know, and we'll see.
1: I really like this hire. Like you said, Saul, it brings some attention to HBCUs, and um, you mentioned McCurr Maker. He was the one who picked Howard over Programs like Kentucky, like Duke, uh, Mikey Williams, who is uh, the number one guard uh, the, as a freshman right now. Um, he's going to be a sophomore. He's being recruited by every single school under the sun. And he even tweeted, you know what? Maybe going to an HBCU wouldn't be so bad. Um, I think it's great that a lot of these basketball players are, are going to consider going to HBCUs over the big time money grabbers that we see in college basketball. But with, with Dion, man, he, I love the flash. And Did you see him the way he came in for his introductory press conference? Looking like, like the president was in town. Like he had Secret <laughs> Service escorting him into the arena. And then he said, you know what? I got this patch, Jackson State, out here. But I just want everybody to know that I'm Jackson State on the inside. And he opens up his coat. And he's got the Jackson State logos on the inside. Like that's all great for media, and it's flashing and it brings attention to Jackson State. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to win some football games. And I think he might because he's Dion, and if he puts together this all-star staff, can you imagine being a wide receiver? In college, in in high school, right now, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, I got the Jackson State coaches coming over, and then bam, Deion Sanders and maybe T- Terrell Owens walks in. I mean, you're going to look at that and say, I know both of those guys, and their parents are going to say, well, I know Deion Sanders, I know Terrell Owens. Heck yeah, I'd love for you you guys to 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 coach my kids. So uh, maybe they get some big time recruits, and if they swing and get a five star recruit one of the top high school football players in the country maybe this sets a trend for other HBCUs to follow but of course we have to see it to believe it
0: yeah i mean there's a long way to go they it's just like it's just like making change in this country when you're at that level as an HBCU it takes a lot of time and patience To build the program Boise State didn't just pop up out of nowhere. It took time to build that program up to where it is Gonzaga in basketball. Same thing like those smaller programs need a lot more time to build strength and program and and the type of recruits that you need that mainly fit your system at first. And then you start to branch out to bigger and better things as you start to solidify what your program is really about. And that's the task and the, 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 the task at hand for Deion Sanders. And we'll see if he can pull it off Uh, before we get to our NFL picks. Obviously we got to talk about last night's amazing game or actually let me say Tuesday's amazing game with the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. It was, it was a fantastic ball game and man, Justin, we could literally be looking at a, at a two one yeah. series lead for the Nuggets right now if it weren't for Anthony Davis and Jamal Murray. My goodness, stud! Does that dude have stones or what? Stud. And we look at this Denver
1: Nuggets team as it's Nikola Jokic's. He's the star player. He is the All Star guy. And I always thought that it was going to be how Jokic plays is how far this Denver team is going to go. But so far in the playoffs, all, it's been about Jamal Murray. And if he plays well, the Denver Nuggets are on a completely another level. You saw that in the first round when they played the Utah Jazz and him and Donovan Mitchell going back and forth. The next round against the LA Clippers when they were uh, down in, in, in all of those games by double digits, it was Jamal Murray being the catalyst for all of their comebacks. And now last night, the performance that he put up against against the Lakers, he's a problem. And Nikola Jokic was a problem last night, making stupid turnaround jump shots with the ball like it looking like it's just gonna completely air ball or hit the top of the backboard, and it somehow just drops in magically. He's just so good at those shots. Uh the Denver Nuggets, absolutely, they they brought their A game Over the last couple of games and they've outplayed the Lakers for the most part in the second half of game two and then all of last night, but that comeback by the Lakers, they almost, they almost had it. You saw playoff LeBron activate. You saw playoff Rondo, who, by the way, passed Kobe on all time uh, playoff assists last night on Tuesday. The Lakers looked pretty solid in the fourth quarter. The only gripe I have, and and I wasn't really disappointed. I really wasn't bummed about the loss last night, me being a Lakers fan. My only issue with the Lakers last night was how the hell do you have Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard combined for,
0: was it four rebounds? Yeah. Four rebounds between Anthony those. Davis, Anthony Davis didn't get his first rebound until the fourth quarter. Exactly. That
1: cannot happen, and... Expect and you guys are are supposed to win. That just can't happen. So, I think the Lakers, like Anthony Davis said last night, it's two one. They're still in control of this series. But like you said, Saul, this could very well be the other way around, and the Lakers could be in some trouble if they go out and and drop another egg, and the Nuggets win Game Five or excuse me Game Four. Man, this is a whole new series, and I'd be pretty
0: nervous. Well, I mean, I think that's the reason why you weren't so bothered about the loss last night, let's be honest. Cause if they had lost that game, the way they they had looked so lousy, especially in that third quarter when the Nuggets went on a run before they went on a run um and took that big lead and and then they they lose that game. You're like, guys, it, it was one one coming into this game. Where are you at? Anthony yeah. Davis not getting a rebound and JaVel McGee and you know, so so I think you feel a little bit better knowing that you were up 2-0, If you have a bad game, it's okay. 2-1, you come back game four, and you're okay. But again, 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 again. The Utah Jazz felt good when they were up 3-1. The Clippers felt good when they were up 3-1. The Lakers were only up 2-0, and now it's 2-1. This this Nuggets team could win three or four games in a row, and then you can find yourself being like, damn, I really wish we didn't take those first couple games for granted, and we would have played hard every single game. And I think – I think LeBron understands that you need to play hard every single game, but the way the 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 Lakers just turned it on all of a sudden, and let's let's be real, Rayshon Rondo, yes, he was he was he was absolutely creating havoc all over the place. That was a damn foul. You know, was a damn he foul. He, gotta, he gotta be raped Come him across on. both of his hands. That was a foul, and they didn't call it. But you got to give it to the Nuggets again too because. Most of the time, we've seen this. We've seen this, Justin. In 2005, Arizona Wildcats up by 15 with eight, with four minutes left to go, and the run starts, and you're just like, you can't stop the run. Like you, There's no stopping it. We've seen these runs before in, others, in, in, in other uh, games. And so when the Lakers went on their run, and you're like, oh, man, they cut it to three, and the Nuggets are like, oh, man, we were just up by like 19, and now it's three. You're just feeling like this is going to happen. They're about to lose this game, and they're about to go down 3-0. But the Nuggets found a way and mostly because Jamal Murray was like, nah, I got this, and boom, sealed the deal.
1: I agree with you, Saul. I mean, they, the Lakers should have treated this game as if this is the kill game. I know the the Nuggets, even if it's 3-0, you still can't feel comfortable with these Nuggets because they just find a way to fight they back got, all the time. They, they got big Nuggets, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you had to go for the kill last night, and as soon as I start, I watched the Lakers, specifically in that third quarter, I thought... Here we go. They're back on their bullshit. Rather than their game one, you know, kind of feeling them out, falling on their face and losing, it moved to game three. And I'm like, come on, guys. We saw in the fourth quarter how well these guys can play together. They have that switch, but you got to be able to have that switch on all the time because these nuggets just don't go down without a fight.
0: For sure, for sure. All right, well, that's the NBA talk right now. Uh, We don't have an update well, we do have an update on the heat game. They they were up by two last time I checked, but um, obviously by the time you guys listen to this podcast, that game will be over and we will not have been able to talk about it. So we'll just carry on. Uh, that game, that series is two one in favor of Miami. In case you didn't know, week three NFL picks. Let's rattle them off. There, Justin. Here Let's we go. Do uh, Dolphins, Jags. Who you got? So, Saul, I ran a Twitter poll
1: on the Total BS um, account. And this is a battle between the beard and the mustache. Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Gardner Minshew. They were kind of throwing shade at each other for their preferred choice of facial hair. So I asked our listeners and our followers on Twitter, with the latest facial hair beef between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew, which team are you on, Team Beard or Team Mustache? And 51.4% of the votes went to Team Mustache. I'm actually kind of surprised. I thought people were more into beards in 2020. I'm not not, not shaving this thing. So... I'm a fan of the beard, so I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins this year.
0: I like the little handlebar thing you got kind of going on right here. It, it like kind of drips from the corner of your mouth and it just kind of goes to the right or left. Yeah, But, yeah, the, like, but see,
1: but see, it's all like no man's land, and then it's <laughs> it, it looks so weird. I got like this weird Mushu thing going on. I look like the dragon from Mulan. <laughs> Old catfish looking ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. We have completely fallen off the rails. Oh, All right. Man. So who do you got? Who would you say you have? Dolphins, I'm, going, Jags? I'm going with the Dolphins. You're going with the Dolphins. I'm All going right. with the Dolphins. My man is going with the Dolphins. I am taking the Jags at home. All right. Texan Steelers, who you got? Texan
1: Steelers. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Steelers last week, uh, playing against an uh, injured Denver Broncos team, and they just couldn't put them away. Denver had a chance to win at the end of the game, and obviously Pittsburgh was the better team, but – I didn't really like what I saw, so I'm going to go with the
0: Texans. I have the Texans as well, and mostly because I feel like they're due. They've played decent, but they played two incredibly tough teams back-to-back weeks with the Chiefs and the Ravens. I think they're due this week, and they'll get that win in Pittsburgh. Um, Manhattan-Pittsburgh, their first loss of the season. Bengals, Eagles, who you got? Ooh, the Eagles, man. So up and down. What
1: Carson Wentz are we going to see? Uh, I really like what I'm seeing out of Joe Burrow this season, but man, that offensive line is so atrocious. It's so bad. Um, so with that, I am going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly.
0: I have Philly in Philly as well, only because they're playing at home and I know there's no fans, but that's how I feel. Yeah. I don't understand how there's no fans, but they can still allow uh, you know, a huge political event with people not wearing masks anywhere. Like what are we doing there? You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm going to move along. Uh 49ers at Giants.
1: Man, the 49ers are in trouble. Uh losing Solomon Thomas and uh Nick Bosa and Jimmy Garoppolo with that ankle injury.
2: Um, and Tevin Coleman and, and It's Coleman might
1: be out. Oh my goodness. Saul, so, you going to play running back? Are you going to play any positions for to the Giants run, my, my or for knees. the 49ers?
0: My knees are, are far worse than Nick Bosa, and he doesn't even have an ACL, so no. <laughs> uh,
1: I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to go with the Giants. Saquon Barkley, get healthy, man. Um, sucks that you're going to be out for the season, but man, he's a talent.
0: Look at you. How about that? So the only one we're different on so far is the Dolphins-Jags game because I, too, have the Giants. I feel like this. The, you know, they're at home. Yes, they lost Saquon Barkley, but they did replace him this week. What? Um, uh, why can I not remember his name? Running back, former uh, Devontae Freeman. Oh uh, yeah, formerly of the Falcons. So uh, I think that'll be a good uh, replacement to a degree. You can't completely replace Saquon, but they were—he was only running for like 30 yards a game anyway. So you're not missing out that much. Mm. All right, Raiders at Patriots. This is a juicy one. The Raiders.
1: How about them getting their first win in in Las Vegas? Man, that was a tough loss for the Patriots. It was like the Seattle Seahawks uh, reversed Uno card them with that goal line stop. Uh, look, it was a little bit different than the Super Bowl, but a still um, a stop on the Patriots' end. Um, did you see Bill Belichick's shirt by the way during that press conference? Oh man, with all the holes and looking faded, he he had that was the old Belichick right there with with his with his hoodie with the sleeves cut off, just a mean mug. I think the Patriots are going to be back this week, so I'm going to England.
0: I got the Patriots too. Cam looked, Cam's looking pretty good this year. I'm not going to lie, and he looked real crisp against the Seahawks. I want to see it continue. I hope, you know, they are running him quite a bit, and I hope that he can continue to take that kind of abuse and still thrive and stay healthy. But we'll see. But I also have the Patriots. Uh, the Raiders are good, but you know. I think I I like the Patriots at home. Titans at Vikings. I will start this one off. Uh, Titans at Vikings. Obviously, the Titans are are a good team. They're solid all the way around, especially when you have uh, Henry in the back, Derek Henry in the uh, backfield. Tannehill's look decent. However, I keep waiting for this Vikings team to turn it around. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be the week. I'm actually taking the Vikings at home to beat the
1: Titans. Oh, see, this year in the NFL season, it's what have you shown me? The Minnesota Vikings haven't shown me squat, so I am going to go with the Tennessee Titans.
0: All right, Titans. It is. All right, then we got the WFT. I, always, I almost feel like it's <laughs> WTF. I should just call them WTF right now. The Washington football team at Cleveland. This is a battle of one-on-one teams. Who you got? I'm going to go with the Browns at home. I Same. just think the Washington
1: football team, not really good. Even though the Browns have struggled, they still, I think, have a better roster uh, top to bottom than than Washington. Washington's young, and they will be a solid football team in the future, I hope. But, nah, I got to go with the Browns.
0: Here's another surprising uh, early morning matchup of two undefeated teams. It is the Los Angeles Rams headed out to Buffalo to take on Mr uh you know uh, josh allen and the buffalo bills who you got buffalo man oh
1: I have I have, the, I have I have the bills at home i i just think that that's a very tough defense josh allen is playing like a first round pick he's playing like that guy that the bills wanted to to play like so yeah give me the bills and also shout out to tucson native levi wallace starting cornerback
0: for the bills there you go. There you go. Formerly of Alabama as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tucson high product. There you yes, go. Sir. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would like to agree with you. However, uh, this is the first real major test for these Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. Um, you know, week one, they took on the Broncos. I believe so. Why can I not remember who they played in week one? It looked Here good. Go. They look good. Yeah. So anyway, they their week one, they were okay. I just they remember beat, Josh Allen played a little erratic. They Yeah. And then they beat the Dolphins and Josh Allen looked like he could throw a million touchdown passes this season, four touchdowns against the Dolphins, though. This time you're playing against a good LHR Char- or LA Rams team. Uh, you got uh, uh, Aaron Donald in the middle causing havoc. That defense is playing pretty solid. They, they caused Wentz a bunch of issues last week. I like the Rams as a whole, as a whole team. I think they're one of the better teams in the NFC. I would say top three or four in the NFC, and I think they will handle the Bills easily on the road. And so I have the Rams. Bills played the Jets Uh, by the way, week one. Bills, Jets. Oh, see, Jets and Dolphins. What are we doing? Yeah, come on. (laughs) All right, Uh, Bears out. Falcons two and O Bears, O and two Falcons. (laughs) Are the Falcons going to Falcon? Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> oh, if man. You Falcon, if you Falcon against the Bears, just hang it up for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. That onside kick, it looked like a basketball boxing out drill. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, hop on the football, man. Um. With that being said, it's in Atlanta. I am going to swallow my pride here and say that Matt Ryan has looked pretty decent
0: in the first couple of weeks there it is there it is you heard it here folks <laughs> you heard it here folks <laughs> I, I got the shouting that from the rooftops during our fantasy draft and my man over here was dogging mr ryan but <laughs> matt ryan is one of the best fantasy quarterbacks out there so i i think he's gonna get it done i like the falcons all right, I got the Falcons too. Uh, I think Mitch Trubisky uh, falls apart in Atlanta this time. I think it'll be a high-scoring game, though. I actually think Mitch Trubisky will probably throw for a couple of touchdown passes. It's just the Bears of the Bears, and I don't, I don't believe in the Bears whatsoever. And I think they're going to lose. And so, uh, the Falcons will get their first win of the season and jump to one and two, in my opinion. All right, Panthers at the Chargers.
1: <laughs> Man, that stadium was beautiful, wasn't it? it was Even perfect. though there, there were no fans. Man, that story with Tyrod Taylor oh. is unbelievable. The team doctor injected him uh, because uh, he has a rib injury. And apparently, it punctured his lung. And that's why he was unable to go uh, for the last week's game against the Chiefs. So Justin Herbert steps in. Herbert threw for 311 yards in his debut. Finding out like 5, 10 seconds right before the opening kickoff that you're going to be the starting quarterback, and you step in and do that against the defending Super Bowl champs. I think Justin Herbert, feeling pretty confident about himself now that he knows he's this week's starter. Um, Panthers, not so good, so give me my boys at home. I like the Chargers winning by about 10 points.
0: I like the Chargers too, but I will counter your – your 10 minutes to starting uh, quib with, well, now other teams have tape on Justin Herbert and are like, true, oh, oh. maybe this is what we can do to him because this is what rattled him in the second half against the Chiefs. And that's why the Chargers couldn't drive the ball worth a damn. So maybe that's the reason. So I, that's the reason why I'd be like, ah, pump the brakes. But they're playing the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey. So I'll take the Chargers at home. Uh, jets at Colts.
1: Ooh, man. It's the Jets. The Colts bounced back from their week one loss last week. Uh, Phillip Rivers looked pretty solid. Jonathan Taylor's workhorse. So, yeah, I got the Colts winning big.
0: Yeah, same. I don't even have to go into the reason. It's the Jets. They're playing the Jets. That's all you need to know. They're playing the Jets. Anybody that plays the Jets is going to win. There it is. Yeah. All right, Cowboys at Seahawks. This is going to be a good one, too. Or is it? No, no. The Seahawks are going to clobber the Cowboys. (laughs) Cowboys
1: got so damn lucky last week. And just like typical Cowboy fashion. Saul, this is where I kind of feel your pain when you hear Laker Laker fans talk about their team. Cowboy fans win one game. And I remember seeing this photo on, on Twitter. This teacher at a school came in. Dressed head to toe in full Cowboys uniform, even had the eye paint. I don't know if it was in a school, but it, some guy took a picture in like a break room. And they're like, look at, look at this freaking guy. They win one game and they act like they they won the Super Bowl. Just a reminder to you Cowboys fans, three playoff wins since 1996. Three playoff wins since Tupac was, was, at, was alive. So I'm just saying... I, or I, I don't know, man, I, I strongly dislike the Cowboys. Um, and with that being said, give me the Seahawks dig at home.
0: I have the Seahawks winning by double digits. At least I don't think it's going to be a close game. Not even close. Russell, I think Russell Wilson is going to expose that fraud of a team for what they are. I like that Prescott. I really want to like him. I hate Ezekiel Elliott. I don't really care about Amari Cooper. I don't really like anybody on that team. Um, And for those reasons, I'm out. (laughs) I'll take the Seahawks. Uh, And so now we got the Bucs at the Broncos.
1: Tampa Bay got back on the winning track. Man, I've been disappointed Ron Gronkowski this year. Yeah, no catches this week. No catches, zero production whatsoever. Um, With that being said, I'm going with the Bucs big. Denver just way too injured right now. I think
0: the Bucs get it done. So, I, too have the bucks. <clears throat> I'm very reluctant to do so though. Um, I just it's tough to play a mile high. It just it just is. And if you don't play there very often, and then especially if you go, I would love to see the stats on a team that comes from a very humid city and goes to the mile high city and and how their performance is in those games because I would venture to say that it's not a very good transition. So I like the bucks. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I'm going to say it's going to be something like 23-20. Um, very, very close game. Uh, Tom Brady's still trying to find his groove. Bruce Arians' offense is not easy to deal with. It took Carson Palmer a year to figure it out, and then in year two, he really blossomed. I think Tom, Tom is kind of going through that right now. I like the Bucks, but very reluctantly. Okay. All right. Kyler Murray put on the show last week. Is he going to do it again this week? Lions at Cardinals. Absolutely, man. Kyler Murray is so fun to watch. Uh, the
1: Cardinals are uh, a surprising team this year. Um, They've, they've exceeded. I wouldn't say my expectations cause I still need to see them play throughout the season. But from the first batch of games that we've seen, the Arizona Cardinals are going to surprise a lot of folks this year. Kyler Murray's awesome. Give me the cards big.
0: You know, I, I love the Cardinals. You know, this They they've been my team since I was a little boy. Uh, I want to jump on this train very, very hard. I really do, but, but I still want to see more. I want to see Kyler Murray shred a defense with his arm as opposed to his legs a little bit more. And I think it's going to come. And I and I'd like to see all these guys get a little bit more involved in the offense, uh, specifically. Uh, you know, one Mr. Christian Kirk who we did have a couple catches and it, it did come around a little bit more. And Larry Fitzgerald had a couple more catches. DeAndre Hopkins wasn't as productive as he was in week one, but he still scored a touchdown, had three yards and six catches. Like he's still productive. Uh, it, but this team they're winning these games, right? And they got the Lions, Panthers, and Jets as their next three games. And come on. If, if you can't go 5-0 and with those teams, you're never going to go 5-0. and You have a great opportunity to set yourself up for success in case you stumble down the road uh, in the later weeks. So I think the Cardinals are going to take care of business at home. And remember, last year, the Lions were Kyler Murray's coming out party, his very first game as a professional, and he tied the Lions because the Cardinals love to give up some tight end touchdowns, and they gave <laughs> up like 89 to Hutchinson over the middle. But... This year's a different year. They haven't given up a ton, touchdown to a tight end yet. So I think they're going to be okay. Cardinals pretty easily. I'd say about by 10 points. Yeah. All right. Our, our last two games, the the primetime game, Sunday night first, Packers at Saints. Man, Drew Brees looking very suspect
1: these, these first two games. And if you're Sean Payton, and if this continues, when do you look at Famous Jameis sitting there on the sideline. You don't. You act like that dude don't even exist on the bench, man. Hey, Taysom Hill, play some quarterback. That's
0: what I'm talking about. (laughs) I want to see Taysom.
1: Um, Like I said, uh, New Orleans, not so good uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Alvin Kamara is a special guy. Uh, Their defense looked a little suspect in that second half against the Raiders. This is going to be a tough game. And you know what? I like
0: what I see out of the Green Bay Packers. So I'll give me the pack on the road. Damn, Justin. We only have three games so far that we have differed on. <laughs> that is it. You pick the Dolphins. I pick the Jags. You pick the Titans. I pick the Vikings. And you pick the Bills. And I pick the Rams. That is it. That's the only difference because I, too, have Aaron and the Packers winning in New Orleans, I don't know. There's something about the Saints team that I just don't like and I just am not a believer in. Um, they looked a little shaky in week one, like even against a Tampa Bay team that that was still trying to figure it all out. And, I mean, they won the game pretty easily, but still, like it just wasn't – Drew Brees doesn't look like Drew Brees right now, and I don't know no. if it's because of what was going on in the offseason heading into this season or if, it was, if it's just because Father Time is catching up to him. I don't know which one it is. Uh, I'm not going to speculate, but I like the pack on the road. They've been playing pretty good. Aaron Jones is a beast in the backfield. Mm-hmm. He's been awesome. Um, and then you have Devontae Adams out uh, uh, wide. It's just that two, that three-headed snake right there between those three. Those triplets are amazing. Um, and then the final game of the week. We, I mean, we save the best for last. I Man, I, I'm so excited about this game. Uh, we have the Chiefs at the Ravens. It's the first time the Ravens will be playing the Chiefs at home in the last three years. The first two times were in Kansas City, and both times were Kansas City wins. This time we have the battle of the last two MVPs, and it's the first game in NFL history that fe- features two MVP quarterbacks under the age of 25. What a time, baby! What a time,
1: bro! I'm 25. What am I doing with my life,
0: man? Jeez, Louise, you got two got
1: growing, growing, hand- yeah. <laughs> growing
0: handlebars out here. <laughs> <your Handlebars>.
1: <laughs> I thinking about this matchup makes me want to rub my hands like Birdman. You know that oh, yeah. GIF where he's walking in the building, licking mm-hmm. his lips, rubbing his hands. That's exactly how I feel when I think about this game. It's going to be so awesome to watch. Now, is it going to be? Like, um, what was that thriller that Kansas City was in a couple years ago? Was it Kansas City?
0: Against the Rams. Was it against the Rams? Yeah.
1: I'm not sure it's going to be that high scoring of a game, but the intensity and the electricity and and just the back and forth, I think it will be there because I get it. The Chiefs looked very shaky last week against the Chargers, but I also think the Chiefs went into that game thinking, well, this is – an inferior team. We should beat them because we're the defending Super Bowl champs. They don't have Derwin James. Yeah, they have a good defense, but we are the Chiefs. We should go out and take care of business. And they came out very flat until it was time to turn it on in the fourth quarter, and they did that. So I think this game, they turned it on from the get-go, and it's going to be one of those games that's going to be very exciting. But like I said, I really like what I – see out of this Baltimore offense. Um they're starting to do a little bit more with Mark Ingram taking direct snaps. Lamar Jackson, an awesome thrower. Like he he's I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, he's going he's going to just sit there back in the pocket all game long and pick you apart with his arm because he does have his legs, but he is an efficient passer. He doesn't make dumb throws. And with that, they're at home. I like the Ravens, but man, it's going to be a close one.
0: Man, I just hope it's going to be a, a great game. And this is this is probably the first NFL game of the season where I, I really miss the fans, because you know these yeah. fans will be super charged up, especially in Baltimore. They love their Ravens. Uh, they they rep their city. It's it's sad that there's not going to be fans in the stadium for this one, but it is a home field advantage for the Ravens. They're they they've played the Chiefs the last couple of years. I think this time. Lamar Jackson and company are going to come through and win this game. I mean, Lamar Jackson is just—he's the freak unlike any other. You know, Patrick Mahomes has got the arm and the crazy arm talent. Patrick Mahomes or uh, Lamar Jackson has got the leg talent. He can—he can bounce and jump in and out of cuts, and and you know he's just so dynamic. And then Kyler Murray is like a blend of the two together, except shorter and smaller and more compact. Like it's just. Yeah. It's just the craziest thing if you see all three of these guys play at the same time because they're both all three of them are just crazy magnificent and uh, and I- I'm excited to see what's going to happen on Monday night. I also have the Ravens <laughs> winning, so we only have three games that we've differed on, and one of them I think I took a gamble. Uh, in the Titans and Vikings game, but we will social this out so you guys can all see it. I actually have the graphic ready to go right here, sure. and uh, that is another episode of the Total BS Podcast. We again, we want to uh, thank uh, Kevin Ostriker and also John Kurtz for joining us on the program today. On Sunday, we have a special guest as well. Tell him who it is, Justin.
1: Man, so I am very excited about uh, this upcoming guest because he just released a new book. About The Los Angeles Lakers and their three-peat run with Shaq Kobe and Phil Jackson as the head coach. Jeff Perlman, he's a New York Times best-selling author. His new book, Three Ring Circus, just hit the market. It just came out. You could pre-order it now. You can go to his Twitter account at Jeff Perlman. But we're going to have him on the podcast to talk up everything about the three ring circus, a little bit of Lakers in it. It's a good time to talk about the Lakers right now with it being the NBA playoffs. So big time guest, and he's going to talk about his big time book coming up.
0: Absolutely. And then next Wednesday, we also have a special guest, Luke Lipinski. Uh, he's a local do it all uh, radio host uh, here in this region. And he's going to be jumping on to maybe recap the Stanley Cup or perhaps talk about um, what's going to come up ahead and also the NHL draft and another crazy sports news because this guy's a, a pretty pretty good follow if, if you've never heard him. So he'll be joining us next Wednesday. So uh, we're continuing to build up this, this guest list. Stick around with us. Follow us on all our platforms. You know what they are. We shouldn't even have to say it at this point. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you can find. Jeez. I'm sure we're there. Uh, and then obviously you can follow us on Apple uh, Podcasts along with Spotify um, and Google Podcasts. And we are now Everywhere. on amazon podcasts amazon podcasts, new information just dropping this breaking week. news amazon amazon podcast we are everywhere you can't not see us so please 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 hit that subscribe button on any platform you can and if you want to leave a review and tell us how how much you appreciate the show please do that too because we love them all so uh, until next time Justin, you got anything else to add no man football Chiefs, Ravens, gonna be awesome.
1: Make sure you tune in to the Sunday Night Live podcast. It's gonna be a good
0: show. Absolutely. We'll see you when you see you. Peace. Your fans just might turn into off Be cool, it's just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you
1: much
2: you're not whack. You just sound whack rapping after auto. Your fans just might turn into off Be cool, it's just a part of the program. Bitch your best 16
1: if you must you not whack you just sound whack rapping after us